Someone once said that uh, you could boil down the history of pride into three small chapters. The beginning of pride was in heaven. The continuance of pride is on earth. The end of pride is in hell. And this history shows us truly how unprofitable pride is. Um, If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 44 today. We're going to see pride here in chapter 44. God's people struggle with it, struggle with pride. And we're going to cover a larger section. We've got 30 verses today. Every so often we take a hard look into that issue, the issue of pride. It comes up from time to time. We last looked at pride in lesson 15 of this study in Jeremiah. We, had, we, were, in the, um, we were in chapter 13 when we had studied that tru- the truth about pride, that personal pride in the life of a believer will prevent one from being useful to the Lord. That was that truth that we saw in that 13th chapter. And that truth will clearly be seen throughout our study of chapter 44 together. But as we continue to move through this unfortunate narrative, we're also going to discover from this chapter that personal pride, if left unchecked, will result in major negative consequences for the believer. Personal pride, if left unchecked, will result in major negative consequences for the believer. We see that. Uh, that truth right here in chapter 44. Now, the reason why I call this an unfortunate narrative was because as we open up to this chapter, God's people had been given clear instruction from God not to go into Egypt, but because they were fearful of the Babylonians, they instead decided to run away from God's clear will. So we have seen that this remnant of God's chosen people who had been given a choice in the midst of national judgment, that if they would just obey, if they would choose to just obey the clear words of God, then they would, without a doubt, experience God's blessings. That's what they would experience. Even though God was pouring out his judgment on the world all around them. But God's people, we've seen in in this study so far, they've uh, rejected, they've resisted the godly counsel that Jeremiah gave, and they resisted God's word to them. So, they ran. They ran. Well, one thing is for certain, if you're going to choose to run away from God, if you're going to choose to do things your way over God's way, then it will only be a matter of time before God catches up to you. And apparently, this remnant of Jews believed that they could outrun God's judgment aimed right at them. But as we will see, God catches up to them. And in chapter 44, there are four specific messages, and I kind of want to give this, this isn't, this isn't our outline today, uh, but this will help us as we work through this text. I want to give this to you. Four specific messages are given here. The first message was from God to his people that are scattered throughout Egypt, and we see that in verses 1 through 14. That second message was from God's people to Jeremiah in verses 15 through 19. The third message was from Jeremiah to God's people in verses 20 through 23. And the fourth message was from God to his people in verses 24 through 30. Well, this special chosen remnant that God wanted to bless decided to leave their proud hearts unchecked for a long time. In fact, in our time together, we are going to observe 
10 results that transpired when this proud remnant failed to tame their personal pride. Okay, so we're going to look at 10 results um, uh, as to what happened when they um, did not tame their personal pride. And that first result here is a proud heart will run away from God's will. And we see that in verse 1. It's so clear. Let's begin chapter 44, and we're going to read through the text as we uh, work through this passage together. But we're going to begin in verse 1. It says, The word that came to Jeremiah for all the Jews living in the land of Egypt, those who were living in Migdal, Topanhes, Memphis, in the land of Pathros, saying, and apparently some time has gone on from chapter 43 into this next chapter that we're looking at today. God's people were getting settled into Egypt and they're spreading out, and they're believing that they can escape the judgments of God. That's what they're really believing. And if you look at a map of these areas that are mentioned in this verse, you'll notice that they're given in a specific order. You have their Migdal, and Migdal is closest to Mizpah. Now, this, this remnant of God's people began in Mizpah, okay? So Migdal is right near Miz, Mizpah. And, the, and Migdal is fairly close to Tapanhes. Then we have Memphis, which is clear into Egypt. And then you have Pathros. And Pathros runs deep into the Egyptian territory. And I mean, God's people in this chapter, they are now spread out through the entire Egyptian territory when we get to this 44th chapter. So when you look at a map uh, of these places, it is a clear indication that God's people were choosing to live lives that were far from what God wanted. And that brings us into the second result that we have here. A proud heart will um, refuse to accept the sins of the past, verses 2 through 3. Let's continue reading here. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Now remember, this is that first message. God is speaking here to his people Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, you yourselves have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and all the cities of Judah. And behold, this day they are in ruins and no one lives in them because of their wickedness, which they committed so as to provoke me to anger by continuing to burn sacrifices and to serve other gods whom they had not known, neither they, you, nor your fathers." Uh, God begins this message to his people by reminding them of the fact that they were in this mess in the first place because of their previous sin, sins as a nation, because of this blatant wickedness. God judged his people, and he allowed Jerusalem, the temple, to be destroyed. We saw that in chapter 39. But the Jews are refusing to come to terms with the reality that God allowed this judgment to come to Jerusalem because of their wickedness. And of course, that brings us to the third result here. A proud heart will resist the words of God. A proud heart will resist the words of God, verses 4 through 6. Now, they are neglecting the past, and then we continue on. And in the case of the Jewish people, they resisted the clear will of God over and over again. Look with me, verse 4. Yet I sent you all my servants, the what? The prophets, of which Jeremiah is. He is a prophet. I sent you all my servants, the prophets, again and again, saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing. 
which I hate. And in the Old Testament, uh, God revealed his will by his words to his people through his prophets, right? Through his prophets that they might respond to God in fear, right? No, that they would respond to God in faith. But time and time again, God's people fail. That seems to be the trend. Look with me, verse 5. But they did not listen or incline their ears to turn from their wickedness so as not to burn sacrifices to other gods. Now, I want to stop there because there's, there, there are two interesting Hebrew words being used here. God says of his people that they refused to listen. In Hebrew, that's shama. And it's used here in the sense of paying close attention to something. The other Hebrew word is incline, which would be natah. And it's used here in the sense of bending towards a speaker in order to listen well. God says that his people did not listen to, they did not incline their, their ears towards him. And he is essentially declaring that they could have cared less about his words. And whenever you have a believer who gets to a point in life where they're not spending time in the word of God, They've not made it a priority to seriously study the scriptures and to do so by attending church. They're, they are in serious spiritual trouble. And what's fascinating is this. Those two Hebrew words are verbs which demand action. An important lesson for us to keep in view of this is that if we are not seriously taking in and studying the word of God on a daily basis, then we are in serious spiritual trouble whether we realize it or not. I was recently reading a book. And in this book, it had some good things uh, that were very helpful. And so what I did was I got out a notepad, a pen, and I started jotting down what uh, the author was saying because it was helpful to me, right? I was listening. I was taking in, taking in what this person was, was saying. But when it came to the very words of God, nothing that God said gripped the hearts of his people. And that's an amazing fact to think about. They're God. The God of the universe speaking directly to his people. And they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. Look with me, verse 6. Therefore, because you have not listened, because I've sent you my prophets over and over again, you have not listened to me, you have not inclined your ear to me because of this. Therefore, verse 6, my wrath and my anger were poured out and burned in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem so they have become a ruin and a desolation as it is this day. When God's people resisted the words of God, there were major negative national physical consequences that took place. And that brings us to the fourth result. A proud heart deceives itself by choosing to live in sin. Verses 7 through 9. A proud heart deceives itself by choosing to live in sin. Let's continue reading verses 7 through 9. Beginning in verse 7, Now, then, thus says the Lord, the message isn't over. God is speaking to his people. He continues to speak to them, and he says, Why are you doing great harm to yourselves? Verse 7, So as to cut off from you man and woman, child and infant, from among Judah, leaving yourselves without remnant, Provoking me to anger with the works of your hands, burning sacrifices to other gods in the land of Egypt, where you are entering to reside, so that you might be cut off and remain a curse and a reproach among all the nations of earth. 
Have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, and the wickedness of their wives, your own wickedness, and the wickedness of your wives, which they committed in the land of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? Listen to me, there is great counsel here in these verses for those who belong to the Lord. Notice very carefully there in verse 7, God doesn't say that his people are living in deception. Um, He doesn't say to his people who are living in deception that they are harming each other. That's true. He doesn't even say that they are harming him. What does he say in verse 7? In their deception, they are harming who? themselves why are you doing great harm to yourselves that's fascinating uh, that we would see that there in 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 verse 7 God doesn't say that his people are harming God um, or others but they are harming themselves for any of us here and for those listening online if you're running from God and you are not in fellowship with Jesus Christ because of unconfessed sin in your life, then the first person that you are hurting yourself the most is yourself. If you are caught up in sin, you're hurting yourself. But God's people couldn't see it because they're deceived, right? Which brings us to that fifth result. A proud heart will fail to humbly submit to God's ways. Verse 10. Now this is key. This is key to the entire chapter. And if you have a pen, I'd encourage you to highlight, underline this verse, okay? Verse 10. Uh, This is key here. Note what it says. But they have not become contrite even to this day, nor have they feared nor walked in my law or my statutes, which I have set before you and before your fathers. Now, the massive moral failure on the part of God's people began with their heart's attitude. If you have the ESV... It reads it this way. They have not humbled themselves even to this day. If we could boil down this real spiritual issue present among the remnant here that survived the Babylonian takeover of Jerusalem, God says that the issue begins with the fact that his chosen remnant was full of pride. And the problem with a heart that's full of pride is that a, hard, a proud heart is ripe for disaster. It's ripe for disaster, verses 11 through 14. And what follows will be the righteous judgments of God aimed at his children for their failure to respond to God in obedience. Verse 11, Therefore thus says the Lord uh, of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, we're going to read through verse 14, I am going to set my face against you for woe, even to cut off all Judah, and I will take away the remnant of Judah who have set their mind on entering the land of Egypt to reside there, and they will all meet their end in the land of Egypt. They will fall by the sword and meet their end by famine. Both small and great will die by the sword and famine, and they will become a curse, an object of horror, an imprecation and a reproach, and I will punish those who live in the land of Egypt as I have punished Jerusalem with the sword, with famine, and with pestilence. So there will be no refugees or survivors for the remnant of Judah who have entered the land of Egypt to reside there and then to return to the land of Judah to which they are longing to return and live. For none will return except for a few refugees. 
Pastor David Thompson points out here that whenever you find the word woe coming from God, it's serious business. Whenever you see that woe in, in the Old Testament, when God has a, a woe statement aimed at his people, it is serious business there. One of my commentaries said that for the remnant, the picture is one of unrelieved gloom. I mean, you get through this section here, and we're not looking at God's blessings, right? We're looking at the consequences of these decisions that God's people have made. They're residing in Egypt. They have gone where God has told them not to go. They're doing things that they should not be doing. Whenever God pronounces woe judgments against his people, you can count on it being a sobering judgment that is full of all kinds of gloom and doom. And that brings us to the seventh result that we find in this passage. God's people are involved in idolatry now at this point. And that brings us to this seventh result. A proud heart will respond passively to sin. And we see it in verse 17. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said that silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And we have an instance of that truth right here in verse 15. Then all the men who were aware that their wives were burning sacrifices to other gods, along with all the women who were standing by as a large assembly, including all the people who were living in Pathros in the land of Egypt, responded to Jeremiah saying, Now what's fascinating is that the men, they've held this passive approach Um, to their wives by allowing them to lead the people in pagan worship. And the men described here in, in, um, in Egypt were not men who stood on the truth of God's word. Uh, they didn't obey God's word, much less reprove their wives for idolatrous worship. I mean, if, if I'm being honest with you, when we get to verse 15, the men that are mentioned here are wimps. <laughs> they are wimps. They're passive in this sin. They didn't lead, they caved, and their wives stepped and led the people into some idolatrous practices. And that brings us to the eighth result here. The eighth result that we will find in this text is that a proud heart can distort reality. Verses 16 through 19, a proud heart can distort reality. Now, I, before I go on reading any further here, I need to say this is probably one of the most bizarre situations that we will see in the book of Jeremiah. Um, what we will read in this next portion of Scripture, it's going to underline the reality that none of us are immune to the deceitfulness of sin, myself included. Okay, It's subtle, it's tricky, and pride, if left unchecked, can actually distort reality, plain and simple. We all struggle with it. We struggle with pride. I struggle with pride. We all do. Um, but if left unchecked, pride can distort reality. Uh, there's a reason why uh, Pastor Brad and I, we will do most of our counseling right in the fall. <laughs> right when fall rolls around, it just seems like that's counseling season. Um, why, does that, why is that the case? It's because in the summertime, it can be so easy to get our eyes off of the Lord, get our eyes off of his word, and on to whatever else. And, and uh, before you know it, sinful decisions are made. That is exactly what happens in Egypt. 
This chosen remnant that had the blessings of God at their disposal instead allowed themselves to be deceived by their sinful choices. And look at how this goes down. And remember, God's people are now responding to Jeremiah, and this is what they say. Okay, so now God's people are speaking here. God has just given his message to his people. Now they are speaking, and it says here in verse 16, As for the message that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we are not going to listen to you. <laughs> That's their pride. We're not, can you imagine that? We're not going to listen to you. But rather, we will certainly carry out every word that has proceeded from our mouths by burning sacrifices to who? The Queen of Heaven. And pouring out drink offerings to her, just as we ourselves, our forefathers, our kings, and our princes did in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food, and we were well off and saw no misfortune. Now look at what they say here, verse 18. But since we stopped burning sacrifices to the Queen of Heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we have lacked everything and have met our end by the sword and by famine. Is that the truth? Is that reality? No, that's not reality. That's what they were believing. I mean, these people, they're delusional. Because of their pride, God's people don't know which way is up, which way is down. Unchecked pride in the life of God's people distorted their reality just like it did the Edomites so many years earlier. I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're taking notes, write down Obadiah 3, verse 3. Obadiah 3. In the beginning of that verse, Obadiah says, Of the Edomites... The arrogance of your heart has deceived you. What's he saying here? He's stating it's impossible to recognize, or excuse me, um, this, uh, I, I got a little bit ahead of myself. This, this verse in particular, verse 3, it's written hundreds of years before the account in Jeremiah 44. Uh, it's written to describe a Gentile nation. But what this teaches is that it doesn't matter who you are or where you are from, if your pride is left unchecked in relationship to the Lord and his word, then you are probably living in a state of delusion. Your reality can get distorted if not careful. I have another quote here by St. Augustine of Hippo. And I just, I, in, in isolation, I like what he says. I have met with many that would deceive. Who would be deceived? No one. What's he saying in, in that statement there? There are a lot of people that want to deceive, that can deceive, but we don't see ourselves as those who can be deceived, right? What were they believing? God's people here. They're believing that all of their misfortunes in life was due to the false assumption that they hadn't been making sacrifices to the Queen of Heaven. That's news to me. I didn't know there was a queen in heaven. That's what they believed. It goes on, verse 19. And said the women, when we were burning sacrifices to the queen of heaven and were pouring out drink offerings to her, was it without our husbands that we made for her sacrificial cakes in her image and poured out drink offerings to her? I mean, they were affirming 
that their husbands knew of this, evidently, and approved of it, which brings us to the ninth result here. A proud heart rebels against godly advice, verses 20 through 22. I've got to say, I love Jeremiah's response here to this delusional answer. Jeremiah takes this false statement concerning the queen of heaven. He turns it around back to the truth of the matter. The reason why God's people had experienced negative outcomes wasn't because they were not sacrificing to the false queen of heaven, but because they were involved in gross immorality. What they thought was real was completely opposite of the truth, which was what Jeremiah addresses here in these next verses. Look with me at what he says. And keep in mind here, Jeremiah, he's in Pathros. All right, Pathros is deep into Egypt. Jeremiah is deep in Egypt. He's living, he's dealing with rebellious people once again. But notice he's useful to the Lord. It doesn't matter where you're at location-wise. If you're going to be faithful to the Lord, you're going to be faithful to his word, you're going to be useful to God. God will use you. God is going to use Jeremiah here in, in, in this place. Verse 20 through 22. Then Jeremiah said to the people, to the men and the women, now this is Jeremiah's message to the people of God, even to all the people who were giving him such an answer, saying, As for the smoking sacrifices that you burned in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, you and your forefathers, your kings and your princes, and the people of the land, did not the Lord remember them, and did not all this come into his mind? So the Lord was no longer able to endure it. Because of the evil of your deeds, because of the abominations which you have committed, thus your land has become a ruin, an object of horror, and a curse without an inhabitant as it is this day. So Jeremiah just continues to give truth upon truth. It isn't what they want to hear, but it's what they need to hear. Verse 23, Because you have burned sacrifices and have sinned against the Lord and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord or walked in his law, his statutes or his testimonies, therefore this calamity has befallen you as it has this day. As one pastor stated so well, covenant unfaithfulness had resulted in their present calamity. And Jeremiah just lists off the offenses here as he's dealing with these people. Number one, he says to them, you're, 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 um, you're worshiping idols. Number two, you're willfully sinning against God. Number three, you are not obeying the voice of the Lord or living life as he has called you to live. And if you know what sin is and isn't, then that is a mark of godliness. But what Jeremiah does here is he goes on to show that another true mark of godliness will be that you will vocally call sin for what it is, sin. And the people of God, they're living in sin. Uh, They're deceived by their own imaginations, and they needed to hear from Jeremiah that what they were doing was sinful. And again, I think that this is the most loving thing that Jeremiah could have done for this group of people. Verses 20 through 23 here in this text are extremely, uh, extremely beautiful. They're rare. They are rare. It's a rare thing to find someone who will call sin for what it is. These verses are not verses that are just about Jeremiah giving a message. They are verses that reveal to us that in the mind of God, his desire is that there are necessary times in life where God's people need to be confronted with the truth of reality. There are times in life where God's people need to hear from godly men and women 
that what they are doing is sinful, sick, and wrong. And there are times in life where God's people need guidance from the word of God. And before we go any further, I think it is worth asking the question, do you have people, do I have people in my life that are uh, willing to hold us accountable in our spiritual life? Do you have individuals around you who will speak truth into your life? If you begin to believe things that are ungodly, or if you begin to say and do things that are not right or good. And if you do, if you have individuals in your life like that, hang on to them because they're rare. How do I know they're rare? Because Jeremiah is the only man in this passage among the people of God who's willing to give the people the truth of God. And it brings us to the 10th result. And that 10th result is a proud heart negates the blessings of God. A proud heart negates the blessings of God, verses 24 through 30. You cannot live life with a prideful attitude and expect the blessings of God in your life. It won't happen. Verse 24 begins this way. Then Jeremiah said to all the people, and then it says, including the women, and I just want to stop right there. I think it's fascinating. Here you have the Spirit of God who wants this phrase included here, including all the women, to be acknowledged. The women in this particular context were doing things that were sinful and wrong. Their doctrine is incorrect. What they were teaching, the Queen of Heaven, that's not right. It's not truth. And so God wanted them to be addressed along with everybody else. Uh, they, um, from verse 24, let's continue there, the second half. Let's, let's read verse 24. We'll back it up again. And we'll read through verse 30. Then Jeremiah said to all the people, including the women, Hear the word of the Lord, all Judah who are in the land of Egypt. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as follows, as for you and your wives, you have spoken with your mouths and fulfilled it with your hands, saying, We will certainly perform our vows, that we have vowed to burn sacrifices to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings to her. Go ahead and confirm your vows and certainly perform your vows. Nevertheless, hear the word of the Lord, all Judah, who are living in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, says the Lord. Never shall my name be invoked, Again, by the mouth of any man of Judah and all the land of Egypt, saying, As the Lord God lives, behold, I am watching over them for harm and not for good. And all the men of Judah who are in the land of Egypt will meet their end by the sword and by famine until they are completely gone. Those who escape the sword will return out of the land of Egypt to the land of Judah, few in number. Then all the remnant of Judah who have gone to the land of Egypt to reside there will know whose word will stand, mine or theirs. This will be the sign to you, declares the Lord, that I am going to punish you in this place so that you may know that my words will surely stand against you for harm. Thus says the Lord, behold, I am going to give over Pharaoh Hophra, king of Egypt, to the hand of the enemies, to the hand of those who seek his life, just as I gave over Zedekiah, king of Judah, to the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, who, who was his enemy and was seeking his life. Remember, this was the same group of people that God addressed back in chapter 22, or 42, excuse me, 42 verse 10. If you will indeed stay in this land, then I will build you up, not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you. 
for I will relent concerning the calamity that I have inflicted upon you. God gave them a choice. They chose to rebel. Just two chapters earlier, God's people, instead of acting in faith, operated in fear. And from what we see here, their fear turned into pride. They get caught up into idolatry once again. So God says to this specific remnant in Egypt, in, from verses 25 to 26, that he wasn't going to listen to their prayers. Verse 27, God stated that the only things that he would do would be for their disaster. In verse 28, God said of that small remnant that they would survive. Um, perhaps only Jeremiah and Baruch would survive. Then in verses 29 through 30, God made it very clear that judgment would serve a purpose, that they would be a sign for God's people, that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was not to be trifled with, but was to be taken seriously. So what do we know about Pharaoh Hophra? Well, this Pharaoh that the Jewish remnant allied with was on the throne from 589 to 570 B.C. until he was overthrown. After a revolt broke out in the land, Hophra was accused of being a traitor thereby fulfilling the prophecy that we see here in verse 30. God's people opted out of the blessings that God said he would allow them to have if only they would have taken the word of God seriously. Well, as I look at a chapter like chapter 44, I see the devastation that a proud heart can cause if left unchecked. And today we have seen the direct results of a proud heart left unchecked according to this chapter. And that brings us to the main truth of this chapter. I just want to bring it back up here. Personal pride, if left unchecked, will result in major negative consequences for the unbeliever. We have an example of that truth right here in chapter 44. This is not a chapter on the many blessings that God's remnant would receive this is not a chapter on how to live a victorious Christian life, okay? But it is a chapter that warns us of the absolute reality that as God's children, if we are not living as God would have us to live, then they can begin, um, then they can begin, then we can begin believing all kinds of weird, wacky ideas and beliefs. We need to be a people in our lives who um, who. We need people in our lives who will keep us accountable in our walk with Christ. If we don't have godly people to speak truth to us, if we begin to go sideways in our thinking and believing, if we don't have godly input uh, to challenge us and to help us, then we make ourselves vulnerable. God's people in Jeremiah 44, they thought they could run from God in the opposite direction. They thought that they could live life on their own terms without God's approval. And they apparently thought they could escape God's judgments, but they were dead wrong. God caught up to them, and, and he did, and what he did was uh, there were some major negative consequences for God's people. Don't forget it. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this moment that we've had to look at this chapter and it is just a reminder to us that our hearts are dis, uh, desperately sick. And Father, we are desperate for you. We're desperate for your word. And I pray, Lord, that as we go through this week, we would 
uh, be students, uh, that we would continue to be in your word, and uh, that we would continue to be faithful to you. We give you praise. We thank you for this time now. In your name I pray. Amen.